This is Shlomo Swidler, CEO of Orchestratus, on Wednesday, April 9th, 2014. Hi, this is Shlomo Swidler. Welcome to the OpenStack Israel podcast. On this episode, I speak with Florian Haas. Florian, how are you doing today? I'm doing very well, Shlomo. Thank you. You are the founder of Hastexo. That is is correct. What is that? (laughs) We are a professional services company. Uh, We provide architectural consulting services, implementation, performance optimization, troubleshooting, tuning, and training services. And OpenStack, or open source cloud in general, but more specifically OpenStack, is sort of the core part of our business. And we have been involved in the OpenStack community very early on. I think we have a certain degree of... um, Maybe thought leadership is is too much to say, but a little bit of influence on um, shaping how OpenStack is going in specific areas, one of them being high availability. But other than that, we're just very, very happy members of this uh, very vibrant OpenStack community. You've been involved since the inception? We can't say that we've been involved since the inception of OpenStack. We've definitely been involved since the inception of our company. We're a relatively young company. We founded in September of 2011. And um, by that time, OpenStack was a little over a year old. And we got into this community very, very quickly. Florian, I understand you've participated in previous OpenStack Israel events. I have, and I loved it. And I will definitely return. Okay, you're part of the organizing committee this year. That is correct, yes. What kinds of things are you looking forward to about specifically this upcoming event in June? Um, I am always very thrilled and impressed by the vibrancy and activity of the OpenStack community in Israel. Um, I think it is one of the most vibrant and most active local original OpenStack communities that I've seen, and I've seen quite a few. What I really like about OpenStack Israel is the fact that there is a large gathering, a group of extremely smart and extremely uh, technology-focused people coming together who, in a unique combination, uh, are also always very, very innovative in what can we do with this technology, how can we take it further, and what can we build on top of it? And I think that's always a very exciting process to be a part of. I agree. I'm sure you would. <laughs> <laughs> so is, in your, from your point of view, uh, is the OpenStack community in Israel technical-focused or business-focused, strategic-focused, a mix? How does it play out? I think it's a very good mix. There are definitely uh, a number of really, really uh, smart and very, very competent uh, technical people um, in Israel, as you're, of course, aware. I think it's fantastic what the folks at, uh, at, at Red Hat are doing, for example, or, um, or the IBM, IBM folks in Haifa, uh, or many others. Um, there are also some very, very interesting companies uh, operating out of Israel that people typically sort of won't have on their radar as being OpenStack companies, but are doing very, very good work in relation to OpenStack and playing really nicely by the rules of the OpenStack community. One such example is Mellanox, which is doing an awesome amount of work uh, integrating their products into OpenStack and doing it in a very open and, and public fashion in a way that makes adopting this technology super easy, which makes sense from both the technical side and 
a business side to do it that way. And because of that, there's sort of, and this sort of segues into the more businessy or strategic part of things. I think people in Israel understand very well how to properly integrate with an open source community where there is, of course, a certain amount of competition, but there's also an awesome potential for collaboration and working together. And also, another thing I think that's specific about Israel is you're very proud of this startup nation moniker, and rightly so. I think it's very accurate. I think it's really exciting to see how many people are there in Israel that look at a specific set of technology and see, hey, here's a potential for building something on top of this and building a business on top of it. And that's also a very, very interesting part of the conversation uh, around OpenStack in Israel. And the OpenStack Israel event reflects all of those different types of participants? I would certainly think so. I would certainly say, say so. And um, it's a, uh, it is, of course, sort of mostly a technically focused event, um, but I think it also has a fair amount of room for sort of presenting uh, business ideas around OpenStack and most importantly, getting inspiration for business ideas around OpenStack both of which is really great, I think. Very cool. You mentioned Mellanox uh, as doing interesting things. I hope to have them uh, as a guest on this podcast in an upcoming episode. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about OpenStack specifically, the project and the upcoming roadmap. Sure. Icehouse is uh, coming out soon. Why is Icehouse interesting to you? So um, I think Icehouse is very interesting because it shows uh, that OpenStack is sort of bursting the bubble of infrastructure as a service. Um, the, the infrastructure as a service components in OpenStack have reached a, a good level of maturity at this point so that we can build other services on top of it. One um, conference that I've just come off of is the Procona Live MySQL Conference and Expo that just took place in early April in Santa Clara, California. Now, this is a, a, a conference that is sort of the center point of the MySQL community uh, and a very important conf uh, conference for the open source database community in general and not necessarily a conference where you would think OpenStack would be a core focus. This year, the conference was full of OpenStack. There was um, a lot of OpenStack Trove, for example, which I think is one of the more exciting things uh, coming out of OpenStack uh, Icehouse which Trove is going to have its first official OpenStack release where it's actually an integrated project uh, with Icehouse. And I think Trove, for example, is really fascinating uh, because it is sort of a step up the stack. We're not no longer talking about just virtual machines or networks or volumes or things like that. We're putting all of that together and creating a database or a data store as a service in OpenStack that we can use OpenStack APIs to interact with uh, we can create databases and do access control and all those sorts of things using OpenStack APIs. And very importantly, this is not just not limited to MySQL, which actually happens to make it better than, for example, RDS and the Amazon world, but is actually not even limited to relational database management systems. Um, its scope is data stores, and that includes both relational and non-relational NoSQL data stores. And when you think about sort of the potential of giving someone who builds an application on top of a data store to be able to say, Trove create in one command line call or in one click on, on, the, on the OpenStack dashboard, and for them to no longer 
make a difference whether they're creating a MySQL data store or a Mongo data store or a Redis or whatever it may be that Trove supports and having that available at their fingertips within minutes or even seconds that is an, a tremendously exciting proposition and it, and, it, um, and it illustrates sort of where we can take OpenStack and, and where it can go. And looping back to what I said earlier, I think it's very interesting to see that OpenStack is now reaching out into these other not specifically OpenStack centric communities and people in these other communities start realizing, hey, this is something really, really great that we can build on. Tell me for a second, when an infrastructure manager or an application designer thinks about the data stores that he wants in his application, he of course has to choose the data store that's most appropriate for the data access patterns and types of objects, availability requirements uh, from his data. Sure. But Trove will provide a common management and control plane for all those kinds of data stores, but it won't manage the data itself. That, that is correct, correct but um, Trove has something that I think is really, really nice, which is um, in, in, in Trove it's called configuration groups. You're essentially able to define a set of configuration parameters that is available and applicable and useful for a specific workload. Say you want a database that is tuned for say Drupal, uh, or you want a data store that is tuned for application X, whatever it may be. And what you can now do is you can take this, which basically is distilled from potentially years and years of DBA expertise, and apply it very simply and easily to a new database that you're creating or a new data store that you're creating. Um, or you can do the same thing with a hundred instances of this that you have just deployed on your cloud at the same time. So you can not only make a data store available to someone, but you can make a data store that is tuned for a specific use case available to someone. And conversely, someone who works with a specific workload on a database and then figures out, hey, this is the optimal uh, configuration for this can very simply and easily share that knowledge and make this sort of configuration available to everyone. And that's just really, really nice because we can sort of stop reinventing the wheel and can actually focus on what we do best. And as far as a DBA is concerned, what a DBA normally does best is database optimization and taking the most out of the database or the data store more generally uh, for an application. I think it's a wonderful thing for us to be able to have a shortcut here and not go through the same iterative development processes for optimization over and over again, which is something that has sort of uh, bogged down many a application deployment in the past. Is Trove already usable in some form? So uh, Trove is used in at least three different uh, public clouds that are uh, currently in production. Um, so people are definitely using it. Like, for example, if you've got an account on HP Cloud Services, uh, Trove databases are available to you today, and you can use them. That being said, because of the fact that Trove is now currently entering sort of its first actual release, the uh, deployment patterns that we have for Trove are still not you know, super mature. Um, for a public cloud provider like HP that has a massive 
um, continuous deployment and continuous integration uh, infrastructure to deploy these services, that's not an issue. But for uh, sort of the average private cloud um, data center, there are uh, certain challenges that are still involved with this. Like for example, for Trove, the packaging effort in many uh, OpenStack distributions is not very far advanced at this point. Uh, the options that you have for deploying Trove with things like Chef or Puppet or Juju are limited at this point, but that is entirely expected and that is a relatively normal occurrence in OpenStack. A project goes through its incubation cycle, then its graduation, it becomes integrated and then it actually hits an OpenStack release and from there the usual process starts that involves uh, packaging and involves uh, fixing up you know, puppet modules and chef recipes and juju charms and so forth. So it's entirely expected for the point that Trove has in its life cycle and it will definitely improve over the next few weeks, I assume, months at the latest. Right. So let's talk a little bit more about that. There's been a general sense in the past that OpenStack needs to improve the way it handles rolling out new versions and helping operators of OpenStack infrastructure upgrade their versions painlessly or more Certainly. painlessly. How is Icehouse helping in this regard? So there are a number of um, very interesting talks about this that are currently available out in the community um, on YouTube uh, and, and uh, from other sources. And there are some very interesting talks upcoming at the OpenStack Icehouse Summit in Atlanta. And uh, in the interest of my fellow speakers in Atlanta, I'd like to not steal their thunder, but I would like to encourage people to, if you come to Atlanta, grab those talks. There are some interesting ones in the uh, in the Compute Track, uh, which I happen to co-chair this year, and uh, there are also a number of interesting talks uh, that are available in other tracks. If you can't make it to Atlanta, uh, the OpenStack Foundation is usually very quick to provide uh, videos of just about all the talks, I think all the talks are going to be recorded, so there is some very interesting stuff in there that I would encourage people to watch. And for those of us who know in advance that we won't be in Atlanta, or heaven forbid, won't be at the OpenStack Israel event either. That is um, unthinkable. Uh, yes. Um, uh, for those of us who are interested in the open source community and the knowledge sharing that we <laughs> know we can get out of it, how would you say in general uh, the trend is with continual operability across upgrades? Um, it is definitely a, uh, a, a very important concern um, that people have and there are some very interesting things that have been happening in OpenStack um, there lately. Like for example, uh, we have seen a very good progress and advances in um, things like Triple O, uh, OpenStack on OpenStack uh, on the deployment side. We've seen interesting things in, uh, in Ironic. Uh, we're learning very interesting lessons from people like uh, Rackspace, from people like HP Cloud Services that are actually doing essentially rolling or continuous upgrades uh, in public clouds, which is very, very exciting stuff. And um, it's another area where I totally expect OpenStack to continuously improve. I'll be, you know, forward in saying that we're not really there where we where we want to be yet. It's not a completely painless process um, at this time, but it is something that is definitely improving. That's good to hear. You said that one of your specialties is in helping companies 
stand up and operate highly available services on top of OpenStack. Correct. What are the typical challenges that a company faces in doing that? So the typical challenge is the dichotomy between two very different approaches for building a private or hybrid cloud. Um, the one approach may be that you are building, you're essentially building something like, for example, the next Twitter. You have a single application or a single, a small set of applications that you want to scale insanely and be available all the time. Now, if you have that, then you essentially have one or a handful of applications that you manage and you have full engineering control over them, which means that you can essentially build uh, your high availability, your scalability right into your application and you actually don't need anything from the infrastructure that supports this for you. That's one option. And the other option is you're actually using cloud, like for example OpenStack, to re-architect your data center. You're using a cloud architecture for a, as a modern way of, of organizing and orchestrating your data center. And there, the situation is much different, which is you don't have a handful of applications. You don't have, certainly don't have one application, not a handful. You may have hundreds. And most importantly, you typically don't have engineering control over them. And to think that you can now re-architect all of those applications so that they're inherently highly available and scalable and you don't need any support from the infrastructure for that is entirely ludicrous. So there, you definitely do rely on your infrastructure providing a certain degree or a very good degree of high availability for your applications. Effectively, what you would love is you're getting a virtual machine that always runs and it is up to the infrastructure to provide that availability, to make sure that even in the face of network outages, hardware failures, um, et cetera, et cetera, your virtual machine, your application is always available. Now, in OpenStack, the former part, that's essentially almost a no-brainer. In OpenStack, all the infrastructure services are, with very few exceptions, but the, the infrastructure services are inherently scalable. Um, making them highly available effectively means, okay, you're controlling a few processes. They don't share a state, so you don't need to uh, resynchronize or permanently synchronize um, your state. So that part is comparatively simple. The other part where you essentially want virtual machine high availability, um, that is something where we're still not fully there yet, but we're getting closer and closer uh, to this. Again, in the OpenStack Summit in Atlanta, there are several talks on uh, high availability. There is, for example, one uh, on standing up, automatically deploying a, uh, a highly available OpenStack infrastructure uh, based on SUSE Cloud. Uh, there are others from, uh, that are covering other platforms uh, that are looking at high availability from, uh, from various different angles. So again, this is something where uh, there is still work to be done. There always is, and that's great because otherwise there would be no innovation and no progress in OpenStack or anywhere for that matter. Uh, we're not quite there yet, but we're getting, we're sort of inching closer and closer toward that goal. Will you be talking about HA and OpenStack uh, at the Israel event? Uh, possibly. The uh, program is not 
uh, is not complete yet. We are still looking for uh, submissions. We have a call for proposals that runs until April 30th. So if you are in Israel or want to come to Israel and speak at the OpenStack Israel Summit, and you should, I can highly recommend it, you have until April 30th to get your proposals in. And uh, we will most appreciate many, many, many proposals from inside and outside of Israel so we can make sure that we can provide people with an awesome program for the event in early June. Great, and that event is on June 2nd. That is uh, true, Monday, June 2nd. If you want to stay over for the first Rolling Stones concert in history in Israel, that's the following day, I believe. <laughs> um, <laughs> the call for papers you can find at uh, www.openstack-israel.org. And as you said, Florian, the call to papers is open until April 30th. Thank you, Florian, for joining me on the podcast today. And uh, I do look forward to seeing you at the event uh, on June 2nd. My pleasure. Thanks for having me.